Welcome to The Dialogue, the podcast for the College of Arts and Sciences. My name is Cashie Johnson. I'm a professor of theater at Lehigh. I am also a faculty member of Africana Studies and Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies. With me today is my very good friend and colleague, Monica Miller. I'm an associate professor here at Lehigh University in the Department of Religion Studies, also Africana Studies. I'm also director of Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies and the principal investigator currently for the NEH Africana Studies Challenge Grant. And that is a heck of a title. It is, it is. You have a couple of lines behind yours as well, Professor Johnson. I like to keep it brief. I like to keep it brief, but still, wonderful. So here we are. Here we are. Hip-hop. Talking about hip-hop. So hip-hop scholars in the room, I think we're like 50% of the hip-hop scholars at Lehigh. <laughs> we do, and you know, that's one of the things that always amazes me about hip-hop culture more generally. It morphs uh, it evolves. It's there when you don't think it's there. And yeah. so, you know, hip hop in the academy, we have a critical mass growing here at Lehigh University. Yes. But we also have a growing body of students, right, Cashy, that are interested um, in hip hop, whether that's in the classroom, whether that's through, you know, um, theater, whether that's through film, or whether they are just hip hop, but say interested um, in engineering. I'm always really excited to think about the embodiment of hip-hop and the kind of you know life force the reality of hip-hop and what we do in our day-to-day so you know one of the things I want uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was when did you become (laughs) hip-hop when did I become (laughs) when did you you know one is not you know born a woman one becomes a right 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 right. when did you become hip-hop I think um, I think I get it honest Honestly, you know, like I want to say I was, I like to say I was in the room when hip hop was being born. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that to date myself or age myself, but I grew up in New York City in, uh, you know, I was born in the 70s and the whole 70s. (laughs) And, And I, you know, I came of age the same time the culture was coming of age. So I think the pivotal moment for me when I realized that not only did I know what this culture was, but that I had some kind of, I was finding a way to have a place in it was a really subtle experience. But I remember the first rap song I ever memorized was mm. Sucker MCs by Run DMC. And I was um, on Jamaica Avenue, which is one of the um, places in early hip hop that used to be referenced all the time right. in, in rap songs and stuff. And I was at the bus terminal. If you grew up in New York and in Queens, you know where the terminal is. And, and I was standing there and I'm waiting for the Q42 bus and I had to be like 10 or 11. And I could, it was on my Walkman. I, it came on the radio and with, and, and back then it was a big thing to right. have a rap song come on the radio. Like that was crazy. But when it did, I knew every single word and I was so empowered and I just in that moment, you know, I don't know. I just have these moments in my life where I'm like, you're going to remember this. And I felt like in that moment, I I would remember that. No one was there to see that moment in my life, but I'll never forget it. So I feel like I started something. I started a relationship that day. With hip hop. With hip hop. I love how you tell that story too, right? Because it's sort of this creation narrative I think about it in in that kind of way you know um, it's not the Garden of Eden right Right, but like you're talking about I was in this urban space you know Mm. I was in this place in New York or Queens or you know um, and and this is my hip-hop moment and it sort of you know is a kind of a cultural conversion I think in a lot of ways and it's funny how that always stands out to you whether it's Common or Erica Badu talking about this. It's like you know when you became hip hop. Right. You know you just have this memory um, of it. I love it, and you know that's where I love the intergenerational uh, kind of conversation. Hip hop itself is um, intergenerational, and it now has many different kinds of facets. Absolutely. You know audiences, sounds. You know it creates all kinds of interesting debates and conversations. Is this still hip hop? Is hip hop? Right. You know. Is it um, dead? Is it dead? Which, if you're announcing that it's dead, right, makes me think um, in my own field, uh, religion and theology, philosophy, you know, God is dead. Well, if God is dead, but it's on the cover of Time magazine, then God's not really so much dead. And I like that speaks to this kind of creative manipulation, I think, that 
hip-hop has to set particular kinds of thresholds, birth, resurrection, um, mm. you know, challenge, critique. It's always sort of there doing its own thing. Um, you know, so I listen to your story. I get kind of jealous, actually. No, I, I wish well, I had this, you know, hip-hop moment. You know, I, you know, gra- I wasn't even born in 73, right? But I, I didn't grow up hip-hop, and that's where I think it becomes mm. an interesting story to tell when you think of your own memory in hip-hop and with hip-hop. Right. You know, I didn't have um, the urban terrain, you know, of the rugged city there. I grew up in <laughs> Long Island. You know, you heard Long... You mean you had trees and squirrels? Right. And, oh, nice. I'm like, everything hip-hop is not supposed to be stereotypically, <laughs> right? Right, back And then. so, for me, you know... Growing up in an all-white neighborhood, Long Island, which gets shouted out in hip-hop, right? It's got it its... It does. Leaders of the new school, Chuck D, they definitely put Long Island on the map. Right. But go ahead, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's it's it, it's there and it's in that history, but I think of my own journey to hip-hop. You know, mm-hmm. what was it about hip-hop? What made me want to take it up as a kind of serious data set for academic reflection? Serious enough for me to feel like, you know, I would have to sort of challenge the academy in order to have my work be seen as, yeah. you know, a proper proper academic study, right? Um, so I'm living in Long Island, you know, I'm around all these white folk, you know, I'm out in the North Fork, I'm surrounded by wineries. I'm living in a bubble, right, right Cash? Mm-hmm. I'm living in a bubble and, you know, a, a pretty white one um, at, at that. And so I heard about hip hop, but I grew up more punk, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of grew up more alternative music. And in, in a lot of ways, that was my environment. You become, I think, a sure. product of your Absolutely. environment. But I'll never forget it, you know, 10th grade, as I'm starting to come into my own political voice, my own kind of cultural imagination, feeling like there were experiences in my high school, being in an all-white high school, dominant culture space, where I needed to sort of speak back to authority. Mm. I needed to kind of speak a word. Um, I felt like I needed to operate in a prophetic register and when I turned around I didn't have any cultural stuff to help me make sense um, out of this moment. I knew I was experiencing racism. I knew there was some xenophobia there. Some of it was explicit and outright but I didn't have a, a, a kind of organic grammar, a vocabulary to talk about this thing of feeling you know in betwixt and between. Yeah. You know being sort of or sounding too white for black people, right? Or um, being too black for white folk and not really knowing your place. And so all of that to say, I'll never forget it in 10th grade, I was really upset with, I think, um, my principal at the time at Southold High School. Um, and she did not address what I thought was a racist incident. I was just so angry. And it was that day that I'm like in my bedroom blasting Tupac. Mm. I heard about it, right? Song? You know, I don't even you remember. Know. I just remember it was Pac. <laughs> you just like Pac. You, you know, you know? I rem- and then I'd switch to Biggie, right? <laughs> you know, and that's how much like I wasn't necessarily. You know, I grew up by New Pac. Wow. I could see it with the performing arts. We and... went well. We went to the same elementary school. Wow. Um, and we went to an elementary school called the Lower East Side International Community School in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. That I think is where um, Black revolutionaries sent their kids in the late seventies. And I'm not joking. Damn. The, the, it was a very very small school, like third and fourth grade. It's like five or six kids, fifth and sixth grade, same like very small classes. Right. But I learned things at that school I didn't see again until high school. You know, mm. it was that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And Tupac Shakur was one of the students. And the only way I can even prove to myself, I remember when he started to break on a hip hop, the hip hop scene. I would be like, is that who we went to school? If it wasn't for my big sister, I wouldn't even get that validation. I would have thought I made it up. But I was like, no, this is who we've always known. And who he was as... I knew him is who he's always been. That's why when people say, oh, it's an act, he's not really that. I'm like, no, that is 110% who that guy was from the day I knew him when he was like, you know, 10, 11 years old. So I just, you know, you just said Pac. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's, Pac is still one of those figures that I think with quite often in my own work and, Mm -hmm. you know, in my own personal life when I'm thinking with culture and about culture and how I'm sort of absorbed by it and also like thinking against it at the same time as to kind of you know keep spaces of possibility alive in Mm -hmm. culture for my own self but but all of that to say I came to hip-hop very late you know Mm -hmm. and and for me it was 
again, finding that voice and, and, and sort of being able to um, think with a culture that had some kind of, at the time, this is how I was thinking about it, unrestricted ability to say a word, to speak a word, mm-hmm. but then how they played with words and language and yeah. grammar and how they're making these worlds mm-hmm. out of words. And so... Um, so now that we have our creation stories out of the way. <laughs> you know what? And honestly, as you kept on talking, I was like, that was my moment when, when I shared about the bus, being at the bus terminal, that was my moment. But the moment that I knew that I was going to be hip hop and show and prove it maybe came like six months later. Wow. And I just want to say very quickly, and this is gendered in the sense that I'm in third grade standing in the line, waiting to go, we're waiting to go line up for lunch and rappers, do, no, 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 no. So this is, this is. Oh my God, I'm getting my times mixed up. Anyway, all the boys are saying the lyrics to Rapper's Delight. So this had to be third grade. Yeah. It's saying the lyrics and then they get stuck and nobody knows how to keep going. But who knew how to keep going from the back of the line? I kept on going with all the lyrics. And in that moment, I is like the parting of the sea. All the boys turn back and look at me. Here's wow. this girl doing this. And you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything other than I had just as much love and passion for it as they did. And in right. that, we had an affinity. And, and it's always been that way since, I think, as a woman navigating spaces of hip-hop culture. You know, once, yeah. but hip-hop in general, once the respect is given, you know, then everybody has a level playing field. But until then, there's suspect, you know, like, how much hip-hop are you? Or how, how much yeah. of the culture do you embrace? So, so I always understood that from a very early age. But it wasn't until having the show improve in front of other people. It was like, wow. no, I can stand up. I can represent. Um, I have the ability to memorize rhymes and recite them just like you do. What I love about <laughs> that memory that you just shared Kashi is you know something that I also have a lot of respect for and I admire uh, quite a bit in hip-hop which is it's about representing right so when I think about the cypher and I think about you know the space of the classroom what I do with students I think about these um, incredible and just engaging and I'm always in awe when I'm sitting Mm -hmm. in you know a Baker Hall or sitting in the black box and I'm watching you working with your students seeing them do what they do Um, you know it's it's hip-hop is so much about identity but it's also not about identity in the constricting and confining ways that we often feel limited by and or embraced by right Mm -hmm. this thing called identity so you know we have these structural limitations that are real whether it's policy institutions you know, zoning laws, banking laws, right? There's all of these ways in which, um, you know, we can see identity sort of being impacted. We don't know how long these sorts of things will change, gender, sexuality, race, but in hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. It's about skill, Yeah. you know? So the fact that you're the one that knew how to represent in that space, right? Because you knew hip hop, Right. everyone else might've, you know, they they couldn't show and prove, they had to respect it. And that's where, you know, I think hip hop has so much um, capacity, and on the on the topic of skill over mm-hmm. identity, or on the topic of the cipher, you know, being this this space where you show and prove, but you always show and prove in community, mm-hmm. right? Like that, you can't be hip hop by yourself. Right. In a lot of ways, it requires a space of community and a space where bodies are really organizing themselves in time and space, and that brings me to. Um, you know, the work that you have done over all of these years, that work that I've been, you know, so honored to to kind of, you know, see and witness and, and be a part of since my own arrival here at Lehigh 2013. Um, you've been here 19 years, you right. know. Um, and, and so if I'm doing hip hop at, at Lehigh and it's 2013 and I'm teaching still yet a hip hop course, it's 2018, then my hip hop moment at Lehigh and the ways in which I can you know, provide an intellectual space for uh, the reflection on hip-hop and the thinking with hip-hop as not just corollary data, but as figures of authority, agents of material abundance, right? I'm coming into this space because of the work that you and others have been able to make possible institutionally. And I'd love to sort of hear, you know, yet again, maybe it's this sort of you know, creation story, but you've been here 19 years, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, we have... We're about to celebrate 10 plus years of hip hop yeah. at Lehigh. Yeah. You know, when you look at that, how do you think about that story? How do you, um, 
you know, um, genealogize that. Genealogize. Whoa, these big We're, words a, today. That word's made up. We're getting these professory <laughs> words, y'all. Get yeah. ready. Um, Let me see. How do I... I, I, I guess my creation story for this piece of it, the Lehigh piece, I have, you know how you tell a story enough times, you just have it down a little bit. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a theater artist and storyteller, I, my story goes, um, after I was tenured <laughs> is when a colleague told me, kind of whispered in my ear one day, well, now you know you can do whatever you want. Wow. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was just happy to be through the fiery hell that is tenure. And <laughs> it took a while, but... At the same time, I had been um, an ardent fan maybe for five or six years. I had been studying the emerging genre of hip-hop theater. There was a hip-hop theater festival that was starting in New York City, and it started to branch out to, like, D.C. and the Bay Area. Um, they started mm -hmm. doing these collective festivals where solo artists or groups of performers under the umbrella of hip-hop were expressing their artistry on stage in a variety of ways. And I was right. a fan, whether it was through poetry, whether it was through dance, you know. If it was hip-hop, it was an umbrella I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. I felt like I grew up with. I felt like I, you know, when I'm a theater teacher, professor, or artist, I was like, hip-hop, theater, I, hello, I like some of that. And wow. um, Now, was it, that a thing then, Cashy? So when you're, you know, that, you know, that immediate post-tenure moment for you um, in the academy was, you know, theater's always been a thing, of mm -hmm. course, but was there sort of a formalized hip-hop theater happening no. institutionally? I think, no, actually, not in the way that I have come to know and do it now. What mm -hmm. it was was um, schools uh, bringing in these artists. So they were doing their own festivals and, you know, mounting off-Broadway and doing mm -hmm. traveling internationally. And then they were hitting college campuses through invitation and doing things like okay. that. But it wasn't... Um, and that's where I had a bit of difficulty in the beginning because I just didn't know how I could play, how I could engage. Right. I couldn't just pack up, create a solo show and go on tour for a year, you know, when I still have obligations to teach at Lehigh. And it <laughs> took... It took um, a space opening up in the Department of Theater. Um, you know, people don't see it, but, you know, in order to plan a theater season, you know, you start a year ahead and you look at the constraints of time and space. And mm -hmm. it just so happened that we had a very, very tight, tight space for our first sh show of the season in yeah. 2006. And so I blurted out one day well how about a hip-hop theater festival and everybody said huh and I you know you had been doing that work and being a fan of the genre like I said so I, I sold it enough that you know we did mount um the say word hip-hop theater festival in 2006 and it was two weeks I never Amazing. knew how to do a festival I didn't know what was going on I just knew that I was given quote-unquote permission to pursue this and so I brought in all the artists that I wanted to play with and I wanted my you know Lehigh to engage with and it was great it wow. was very difficult in the sense that you know there was a lot of co-sponsorship it was a great way for me to go out into the Lehigh community and talk to all the different programs and departments and let Lehigh you know just re-educate folks about the perception of hip-hop and truly how I knew it to right. be, um, you know, in terms of the people I was trying to bring and what we were trying to do. So I have to ask another quick question yeah. in between, you know, this story, I'm, which no, 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 my mm -hmm. mind is blown. This is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the archive and, you know, I just made up that word genealogizing, <laughs> but I'm going to say it again, Go ahead. you know, because I love this. So we, you know, oftentimes we, you know, end up enjoying and coming into these uh, sort of, you know, pre kind of given moments, right? Uh -huh. So I, it's interesting. I, I come into Lehigh in 2013. You know, you mentioned the immediacy of post-tenure, right? And it just goes to show what all of that work and in institutional, you know, formalization has been able to kind of make possible for a next generation of scholars. I come in in 2013. Uh -huh. I don't have tenure yet. I do now, right. but I didn't then. And I could come in and teach you know, a hip hop course. Right. So, you know, with the with the vision that you had for this hip hop theater, yeah. um, you know, the, the the festival, the hip hop festival, in your memory, was that then also the first time, you know, hip hop artists would be coming to Lehigh? Had they been here before? I'm also then, I'm also a proud Lehigh alum, so I can say with authority, no. Okay. Lehigh has been bringing hip hop artists here. Like Chuck D 
sat it in the living room of the Emoja house back in 19, I don't know what year that was. I won't date myself, but I mean, you know, because wow. he came and he spoke and then he kicked it at the house afterwards. Um, we had brought in artists when I was a student. So just like a lot of other college campuses, right. Lehigh wasn't a stranger to that. But in terms of introducing it into the classroom, into pedagogical spaces, there was a lot less of that going on. So I do take pride and I hope paving the way to make it easier. Mm -hmm. it, you know, hip hop was far more palatable, I think, after that festival. And then back to the, what is it, genial, what is it? Genealogizing. Ge back to the genealogizing. It's really a made up word though. <laughs> well, back to that. After the festival was over, I thought it, it was like two weeks of intensity in the start of the semester. I, I needed a break. And, wow. I, and after it was over, I just thought, ooh, done. And then one of my students came up to me, a freshman, Charles Choice. He said, now what? And I looked at him and I, and I said, what, dude? We just, but I didn't realize what I had, you know, unleashed. And what it was, was the, the, the fact that the declaration, we do this here. And we, you know, we value this here at Lehigh and right. people may not know. So that's when I turned it into my classroom. I was like, okay, well, let me not tax my department with another big old expensive festival, but let's see how I can do this work in my classroom. And that's how Act Like You Know was literally born. It was born out of, you know, something that was a big splash, but then, you know, the, the, the ask for something continuous and something ongoing. Right. And it still took a couple of years for me even with that, because I taught the class once or twice and I thought that would be fine. I thought that'd be good enough for Charles. But then I had students start coming and telling me as freshmen, like, I'll see you wow. senior year. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I keep going then. So after a while, after I realized the value and, um, and the, you know, I think my students took it seri more serious than I did in the beginning. And then once I caught up to their expectation, that's right. when I think the course took off. That's just, it's just amazing because, I mean, I think, and you've already articulated this and spoken to it, mm -hmm. that the students came in so that you had a vision. Lehigh helped to make that space and mm -hmm. curate it and Absolutely. kind of cultivate it, put the resources behind it. And the students reminded you, <laughs> you know, you're sitting here like, how can we make this, you know, program next year? And then the students remind you, Professor Johnson, like that, 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 you know, there's something really special here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to sort of pick your brain about that specialness, Cashy, because it really is, you know, and for those that have not been to an act like, you know, you're in your 10th, you know, right. iteration, mm -hmm. generation of act like you know it is special and it's like each one is so radically different and you're sitting in the audience and it the, your show what these young people do on stage it just defies all sorts of you know stereotypical assumptions you know we talk a lot um i think not unique to lehigh but in the academy in general about crisis you know in the humanities right we talk mm -hmm. a lot about fostering interdisciplinarity we talk a lot about how do we get kids from engineering or you know other stem areas you know in conversation with wgss africana you know um theater like how mm -hmm. do we pull these kids together and i think sometimes you know we academics right like we're thinking in in one sphere and these young people are actually already doing it yeah. and we're not <laughs> tapped into the doing mm -hmm. and so when I look out on the stage and I'm sitting in the audience and I'm and I'm thinking about act like you know, the first thing that immediately always strikes me is that oh my goodness, how do you bring such a diverse mm -hmm. group of students together every single time? It's just you know, and these aren't like coming; they're not all from history or English, right? Like these are students that are coming from computer science and engineering how do you do that all races ethnicities and walks of life as right. college students how very easily it's called hip-hop right i mean that's the easiest answer and it's the most <laughs> universal and i used to worry the first time i taught the class i call each class a generation and so my first generation of students i was just curious i didn't put any limits you know professors put caps on how many students they want in a class and the first time i did it i didn't put a cap on and 31 students showed up and i didn't 
turn anybody away because I was really curious to see who wanted to study and perform hip-hop at Lehigh and since that first generation it's always been that way it just reaches it casts a very wide net and to know the Department of Theater at Lehigh is to know that we take all comers we Mm -hmm. don't you know, you can you can be a non-theater major and be in a lead in a main stage show. That's right. not um, how we, we, we cast the best people for the job. And with Act Like You Know, um, now you have to audition to be in the class. Things have elevated since the first <laughs> generation. But again, the tenants is still the same. I still want to take, you know, people who are passionate and want to do the work. And, you know, right. we just go far in that regard. But um, I'm always grateful for the diversity of, so you, of students. So students yeah. will come across... I'm, thinking process now so students you'll launch the course you know Mm -hmm. so when so they're not immediately registering for the course or they do and then no 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 oh they think they can because you know there's just a genuine interest right don't you get that that. too don't you get that too it's like hip-hop is in the title and then all of a sudden but when they realize they got to write papers they got to do whatever then it's like whoa this is you know because there's a perception of the culture and maybe Mm -hmm. you know where they exist in it to think that you know now we're going to apply the the learning part of it. So right. so for me, I realized around the fifth generation that something had to change because I was getting students who were interested in mm-hmm. hip-hop but were kind of terrified of performing. And I'm like, I wanted to elevate the class to the next level performance experience. Right. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so I grew up with the movies like Fame. I want to be Debbie Allen. I want to <laughs> go into a class and tell kids, are you ready to be great? And, you know, start to work on that performatively as a theater teacher. So the audition and mm-hmm. interview that I have created has been like the gatekeeper for me in these past couple of years because um, it's not... Here's a secret podcast. I'll take anybody that's brave enough to come and sit with me and perform in my office for two minutes. But getting to that point, you know, that's what keeps my numbers at bay. Some right. years, some years. I mean, which, still which again, I think speaks to the to the popularity, but also um, the necessity, right? Like we don't have a mechanism, necessarily speaking, right, to you know force a diversity course across cultural right, understanding right. No. you know thing and and perhaps that thing ought not be um institutionalized like that's a good thing and then maybe there's other ways and i just think mm-hmm. of all of the other ways in which that kind of work happens and you know so thinking about mm-hmm. student interests and sort of moving into the audition model um for the course i think speaks to that interest alone anyway yeah. um from the students themselves so but these kids, you know, when you're talking about the audition mechanism, it's they're not coming into that audition with a whole ton of skill, right? Because they're learning still in the course of that. Like some you know. are, so some are and some it's, aren't. It's 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 and and I guess the point of the audition is not to gauge talent level. It's just right. to. It's like my first seed planting of a mental agreement that says if you get in this class, we perform. Wow. You know, and we do it like the first day of class. We just hit the ground running because right. it's important for me not to, um, you know, it's like, here's a cliff. Let's jump off it, then fly. Right. But we can't just keep inching up to the cliff and finally jump. Like, that's how it used to be. So right. so it's um it's worked out well. I, 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 I am hopeful that it continues in that regard. But, you know, as things keep on progressing... I can see I can see those auditions becoming more um, selective, um, mm-hmm. you know. But that takes time. I've been saying since the festival started years ago, I want Lehigh to be an anomaly for hip hop. I want people to think of Lehigh University mm-hmm. and hip hop. Like, and I think over the past ten years, that started to happen more and more because right. we do have now scholars right. on faculty. We do do these types of things, bringing all kinds of people. But that has become more of a. Um, it's more synonymous now, and right. um, yeah, that's so wonderful. you know, I, I talk about act like you know all the time, and I think it is Thank you. <laughs> really quite sui generis, it really is unique um, to Lehigh, and I think that's something um, that Lehigh has been really proud of, and I think mm-hmm. that's something it will continue to be proud of. And you know, I can see all sorts of ways in which you might advance and develop and I mean I always think of like why haven't you taken act like you know on the road you know I when I talk to colleagues and friends and family Mm -hmm. members about act like you know and you know um, just this experience that you get when you see it in action of course that means a whole semester's worth of you know really hard work labor Mm -hmm. from yourself Mm -hmm. among Mm -hmm. the students has taken place Um, you know one of the things that 
they, that they don't immediately register about act like you know is that you know this is a credit bearing thing right. right right so they're thinking like oh these students are doing some you know <laughs> cultural extracurricular kind of you know yeah. after school kind of put on a play sort of thing but no act like you know is a course right. that that gets offered you right. know um right on a rotation and and I just think that's incredible and it is unique it's a wonderful place to be now I think with creating it because now I have pressed you know going to present at conferences going around Mm -hmm. the country telling the story of the class has piqued interest in different ways where I'm at a very you know I don't know I I think times of challenge or fun and interesting also so Mm -hmm. I'm in a really interesting place where I am um, working with fellow theater professors who are completely alien to hip-hop but understand the importance of the work and so my question now these days is is act like you know something that can only be led by me or can I empower other educators to figure out how to become um, you know like um, I'm giving them language like students of the culture if you truly want to learn about culture and then bring it into your classroom how can i help facilitate that to make it happen and so i do have Mm -hmm. um one person i'm working with actually who's a faculty member at bronx community college and she um you know she works in the birthplace right around the corner Cedric Ave from the campus and so like (laughs) i love to go there and engage with her students but then also to um, you know, figure out ways to empower her to figure out how to connect with her students through this work because it is all about connection and it's about, you know, look, my students put me through my paces, Lehigh students still, you know, they call me <laughs> Queen Cash. One day yes. I walked in, I was like, what? I got a nickname? What? Okay. <laughs> and I love that, but you know, I love to be tested too because the same way when I was online for lunch and I had to show and prove with those lyrics, right. you know, I will get that because that is the essence of culture too. Right. What do you know do you know the history do you know that hip-hop is more than just rapping do you understand the The legacy the elements right you you know and once they see that you know i'm still credentialed you know then they might want to learn something and so i think that that's you know I appreciate it. And I think people always say, well, now, you know, when do you give it up? And I'm like, we created this. There's no expiration date. That's what I love about hip-hop. Because hip-hop is that thing, and I might be um, over-exaggerating. Yeah, when are you going to give it up? (laughs) Here, hip-hop is, like, not going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And that's the the kind of staying power um, that hip-hop has shown and proved, right, Mm -hmm. over the course of all of these years. It's, you know, um, it's a force to really contend with. And so I like how you talk about how Act Like You Know can sort of foster and has fostered a collaborative spirit, right? Mm -hmm. But that hip-hop, and I tell my students this, you know, whether I'm teaching religion in hip-hop or New Black Gods or sociology of, you know, hip-hop, it's that you don't have to be hip-hop to think with hip-hop, right? Mm. But also don't get it twisted that hip-hop has not impacted the American terrain. So it's like God. It's like you don't have to believe in God to study religion or to study culture, right? right? But if you study culture, you should know something about God because of that capital it has sort of, you know, um, held, that weight that it's held in the world. And so I often remind students that, you know, you don't have to be hip-hop, you don't have to believe in hip-hop, but, like, not believing in God doesn't mean God doesn't believe in you, right? When you think about the weight that it has. And so... Um, yeah, like I love, wait, yeah. wait, because, you know, I am of a certain age. And so, like I said, I've come up with hip hop. And what is so been fascinating me since I don't even know when is just mm-hmm. like to watch the culture seep into the larger mainstream society. When news stations start saying they do news 247-365 and I'm saying that's hip hop, baby, you right, know, but you, would, right. you wouldn't know that now. You just think that that's what the news has always said, 247. Right. It's like but what's do you normative know? now. Right, exactly. It is so yeah. fascinating. You know, I remember watching the Pillsbury Doughboy breakdance, and I was like, well, you look at that. You know, like, right. when, we, when we started, now it's just a given. Now it's it's not what it used to be 20 years ago with hip-hop and marketing. But to watch it mm. seep into the culture and become ingrained in a way where we don't even realize it's hip-hop anymore. It just is. And that and is like, drives me cr- it, that's it incredible to think of. And it's scary, though, right? Like, in all of the best and worst ways possible that... Um, incorporation and and the beauty of it is that again you know you America can't really do its thing on a corporate level institutional yeah. level on a marketing level really without hip-hop I mean we think of our first black president you know that hip-hop made its way to the Oval Office mm-hmm. and that 
perhaps without the power and weight of hip hop, we would we might not have had um, a first black president, right. right? That we might still be talking about that in terms of um, a dream, you know. And so, in terms of dreams, so you go from you know. No, wait. I have a question to ask you. Yes. Because you are so good at this. So so. Top three. I was gonna break out the mold right now. See. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Top three. You're putting me on the I spot. I am. Any, I'm just going to, you know, it always changes for me. That's the reality. That's okay. Um, What's the top the, three The funny today, thing today? is, is that as, you know, as I hesitate, I'm always, you know, thinking about how at least one of them, you know, one in the top three doesn't ever really change. And people either love it or hate it, but it's what? Eminem. Okay. It okay, is no. for me for a whole lot of reasons. Um, I'm not saying as number one, but it's a mainstay. <laughs> In that top three, um, you know, so <laughs> Kendrick, I just can't, yes. I can't think of a top three without Kendrick. Um, and you know, Erica Badu is up there for me. Whoa. And you know, that's a that's hip hop, and it's a different, it's, it's, yes. a, it's a different kind of hip hop. And it, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a neo soul. It's a kind of, you know, it's got some R and B stuff. But I put her there because. I can't think about hip hop without thinking about Erica. Wow. And so she's there for me. Um, all right, now what's your top three? Oh, wait, because I before I give my list, I just want, I love to hear what people's top three, top five, top ten are because it yeah. it informs what is important to you or, you know, about to the person about the culture. And I would say that lyrics go hard for you, yes? Yes, You know, yes. like, you you know, Eminem, yeah. like, we could talk about all the different abilities of him and Kendrick, but to put those two up there, it's just like, yeah, it's clear right. that lyrical ability, not even just the ability to, you know, the, what they are able to do with the words, not the, mm. the content of what the messages they deliver, but then that they could right. put into rhyme, too. That skill is just beyond. Yeah, and I thanks know, for breaking that down. I and mean, now that you say that... Because I would just be, you know, out of my mind not to put Pac there. Like I said, Pac, right. I, Pac is there. It's Pac, but I feel like Pac is so much a part of my life that he's already, you know, I guess it's a 1A and a 1B. It's like Pac and Eminem. <laughs> see, see, that's not even right. I can't no. even stick to the mathematics. No, it's okay. I mean, any true head that can just, like, rattle off without any kind of preference, I don't know. I don't trust it. I think it should be a yeah. question that trips you up. And honestly, I knew you would throw that back at me. And minds just changes mm -hmm. all the time um but to know me is to know i think i will start i'll go backwards so kendrick definitely kendrick lamar i've been a fan of his since section 80 yeah. and one thing i love about my students is they put me on you know, so right. like I was hearing about him for two years before I started listening to him, and I started listening to him a long time before he broke through. That is so real. And the, I remember the same thing happening when I was out at Lewis and Clark College teaching mm -hmm. in Portland, Oregon. I'll never forget it. Like one of the most unsuspecting, you know, nerdiest of the students, Professor Miller. Have you heard of this guy, Kendrick Lamar? I didn't know who Kendrick right, was. Right. Then. It's just, so mm -hmm. at any rate, yeah, and I, and I, that's and I, so real. And the other thing that made me really fall in love with him was I don't know how you know how you can watch YouTube and just get into a matrix like you click on one thing and somehow I found myself watching him perform live at an Apple Sap. I'll never forget it was an Apple Sap music con conference in um, abroad in mm -hmm. the Netherlands. Mm. And he's performing. There's a lit. There's a language barrier, but he's performing one of his songs. And as a theater artist and a director, I'm looking at this guy do. He's doing the anti hip hop performance. Wow. He was engaging the audience. He was asking for the call and response. He had a genuine, yeah. and he still is that way. To watch him perform live is just right. like you know, it's just insane. Yeah. So I remember seeing that, and I was falling in love with this guy. And then I realized who it was, and I was just like. Like, wow. He gets it honest for me, just on a lot of different levels. And then, most deaf is one of my yes. favorite artists of all time. Um, you know, when we went to see him before, like you know, I I love. There's just some artists who innately are of your tribe. I am of the most right. deaf tribe. Um, you know. It could be how he shouts out Brooklyn all the time. Could be his lyrical ability is just brilliant, but. But just there's something that just will make me listen to do again and again right. and again in a lot I of different ways. I love how most is on, you know, you, you can't, 
he's predictable and he's not predictable, mm-hmm. right? Which means he's always sort of, um, you don't know if he's going to show up on time or not show up on time. Probably not, right? Yeah. But you don't know when the flow is going right. to strike. And most goes and does something different. He does. <laughs> All the time. He's a, he's a genuine, he's a true yeah. artist. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that spirit. I just, I'll just ride with him. You know, it's not, right. I'm not going to make it really deep. And then if I had to throw another one in there, I'm going to go with Lauren because... Mm. Even though, you know, I don't want to talk about the narrative. I was just saying to one of my students, we are we are putting her in the show. We are bringing her back, Lauren mm-hmm. Hill, like circa miseducation of Lauren Hill. And I, we were looking through the images, and I said, black women today are emulating what she was doing 20-plus years ago. Do wow. you see that? I was like, do you see how timely she looks? This right. was 1998, you know? And it's just, like, mind-blown, you know? Prophetic. Because she her prophetic voice... Right. And, I mean, I was going through a breakup at the time. Without that album, I don't think... I think I'd still be in a hole somewhere in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, you know, like, I know about people talking about music and albums that, you know, transform or save them. And, and she just did that for me. Um, it was so healing, so wow. necessary to my continue, <laughs> continuing to live and breathe. Like, I will always right. hold a wonderful, you know, just that, that special space for her. And I think it's easy to, you know, put a lot of other voices. I could shout out Biggie. I could rock him. Right. I could do, like, the all gods, of those. The but I mean, yeah, yeah, right? But I have to definitely say Warren. Um, that's beautiful. One of my, so there we go. Yeah, and you know, so that's a good segue into, you know, one of the things that um, I'm always taken by as it comes to act like you know and your students. So, you know, it's hip hop, they're in the space, they're having to get over all sorts of anxieties, whether that's like cultural anxieties or political mm-hmm. anxieties or learning how to be in a cipher with people who are different from you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that seems constant among all of your students in each iteration of Act Like You Know is that they they find their voice somehow. Can you just talk a little bit about like what that, like I feel like I can't imagine that students that take your class walk away from your class without having some sort of new knowledge of self that mm-hmm. becomes so transformative it doesn't leave them. Like some of these stories, right, whether it's, you know, through rapping or whether it's through, you know, um, a performance or, or, or spoken word or poetry, whatever the medium is, mm-hmm. there's some hard truths being told mm-hmm. on that stage, you know, through well, Act Like You Know. The thing that th- that I've learned as the ringleader of it all is something that I did. It's not a frame that I coined, but it's definitely a tenet that I live by in that class, and that is, well, a couple of them. One is... The audience is the most important. Wow. And we will access their stories. We will access the universal through the personal. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I try to empower my students is to not think of it as exposing themselves. It's in in being strong enough and brave enough to share parts of themselves um, with the audience with the understanding that you will be telling mm-hmm. someone a story. I was like, if we do this right, and I understood that like around the mm-hmm. fifth generation, I was like, if we do this right, the audience sees themselves in you, you know? Wow. And in that, when you're, and when you're being really real, you know, not hiding behind the facade, you know, like hip hop, you know, you can lie if you can rhyme it together. But if we stand in truth, then they're going to carry you on their shoulders off cheering your name. And, and, and that's what happens in that class. So my job is to be a glorified BS meter when it's not truthful enough, when you're you're scratching the surface of something that feels a little dangerous, but you're afraid to go on because this feels dangerous. Right. I'm the one that's there. Um, some students are like Harriet Tubman with a gun, just like, come on, let's just keep going because I just, the destination it's amazing. It's for the audience. It's for, yeah. it's for, it's for, it's like looking at Black Panther. Like look at how people are seeing themselves and right. you know, And that's what it's ultimately about. We get trapped, I think, as performers when we make it all about ourselves. Well, what's the point then? Right. It's one thing if you're doing that for YouTube videos, and I'm not, you know, judging, you know, other mediums, but in theater, there's got to be that connection that's ultimately. And I think that, you know, rarely, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a kind of thinker that claims specialness. I actually theorize against it. Um, (laughs) But there's no way um, that I can separate it from. Act like you know, mm. Kashi. It is you know the classroom. It, it it's it can be a prophetic space and it can also be 
you know, um, a space of, of intense symbolic violence. And I don't mean the university classroom. I mean classrooms. You know, I will never forget when I had to watch Roots in, you know, third grade or I don't know, you know, or, or I'm watching it and I'm feeling embarrassed, but I don't know why. Wow. You know, um, mm-hmm. that these cultural moments that you have in class, you know, they, mm-hmm. they needed somebody to read Martin Luther King's speech in eighth grade, right? Monica Miller, will you do it? Why? Because I'm the only black student sitting here, yeah. you know? And so the the space of the classroom, or I don't see professors that look like me, you know, mm-hmm. from, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Um, and as the academy, you know, um, diversifies across social difference, we can mm-hmm. begin to see ourselves in spaces where we had not, or spaces that were quite frankly, not really built um, <clears throat> with certain people in mind. But the space of the classroom is is a contentious space, and and it comes with, it can be it can be scary in a lot of ways, right? Um, we 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 try to encourage students to tell their stories, right? But mm-hmm. like, it's this is a politically correct moment, yeah. right? Like, and right. that's really important, and it's really good. Um, but we have to also exercise a certain kind of carefulness in the classroom, right, to make sure that you know, stories are being told in a certain way. To, I just feel like sometimes I'm thinking more about the logistics of, yeah. you know, reflexivity and self-consciousness, trigger warnings. I, I'm, I'm always right. in my head about that. Right. But I look at these students on the stage, act like you know, and it's like they have already figured out that safe place and space to tell the stories, embody the stories, perform the stories, and to do it in a way where the audience feels like their stories are being played out in front mm-hmm, of them. And mm-hmm. I just want to big that up as a kind of specialness, Kashi, because that's very hard to do. I don't know how to do that right. yet in my own, um, you know, in my emerging well, career, but I, that's, that's amazing. I think that's also the beauty of an acting class in general, or, you know, having some kind of theatrical space. So it's like, there's lots of Things that I've known for years as just as just a theater teacher that when I married it together with hip hop, it's mm. like form formulaically, there are things that work to build ensemble. There are things right. that work to you know when students see other people performing and going for it, 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 it brings out you know your own competitive or you know aspirational self to want to match right. that or at least not be the weakest link. And so mm. I think all of those kinds of pieces always kind of you know get together some students let's be real are game day players they'll look like they are just gonna you know bomb the show until it's time and then they show up i mean it it, it runs the gamut in that regard and i you know as a, i'm ready for anything i mean because we've done the work whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen right. but right. but my job is in the getting there to make sure that we stay true to we stay true and um, hmm. whatever story they choose to tell, it's not from a place of judgment on themselves or on the topic, but from a place of honesty. Wow. And if you can be strong enough to be vulnerable and allow yourself to um, stand before 300 people, you're never going to do that again, not in that way. Some people go on to stand before 3,000 and 30,000, but you know most of those students will never have that experience again. So my job is right. to make sure that in that moment that they don't, you know, they leave it all on the stage. They just, you know, don't regret it so that they can look back and not regret it. That's so transformative. So as we begin to, you know, think about where we've been, you know, where you've been with Act Like You Know, um, where Lehigh's headed with hip hop, you know, I'd love to, um, you know, sort of wrap up this moment of our conversation, Kashi, by just, you know, again, you're an amazing storyteller. So really, you know, for our podcast listeners, I'm saying, for Cashy, our podcast listeners. Yeah, I'm like, Cashy, tell me stories. <laughs> what would you like to hear, Monica? <laughs> tell me stories. So these questions are really like me saying, Cashy, tell me stories. So, um, but, but, but no, I'm a huge fan of your archive. And I know oh. that when you are in the midst of doing the work, you oftentimes don't see all of that work from the outside. And I guess... When I look at Act Like You Know, I'm a fan, right? But I'm also just always in awe. Your archive is just incredible, right? So you've got, you know, we have this digital archive. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you've built up this amazing digital archive. We've, you know, we have a visual archive here at Lehigh. We've got this embodied archive with these young people walking around. You see how mm-hmm. Act Like You Know has created these long-lasting, I'm sure lifelong 
kind right. of connections that they probably wouldn't have imagined before taking that course. So, mm-hmm. um, so this year, in a few months, marks the tenth year anniversary Woo-hoo! of Act Like You Know, and I mean, such a really big moment. First off, just big congratulations to you and all yeah. of your students throughout you know the years of Act Like You Know. Um, but I can't help but to think, Cashy, when I look at this archive that you know, you're bringing together students across difference, right? Mm -hmm. And you're doing something with hip hop and theater and formalizing and institutionalizing it and and offering it on a particular kind of rotation that really makes it a cornerstone of Lehigh. Like I know we have D life and stuff, right? But this is like a D life that never really kind of ends, I think, (laughs) in a lot of ways, right? Or the one that keeps on um, giving. But then I think about, you know, when I hear you say, oh, yeah, you know, my former student, you know, the, you know, the ones that have graduated and come through act like, you know, and um, it's no secret for our podcast listeners, they will already know. I mean, you you have the trust and, and really the, the deep and profound love of your students here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I when I think about that demographic, it's huge and it's wide ranging. Yeah. And the thing that brings them all together is act like, you know, I think of. WGSS majors and minors. I think of computer science majors that drop by my office and say, I'm in Professor Johnson's <laughs> Act Like You Know course, and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, and I think about all of those students that were already, you know, um, ready to receive hip hop when I got here and I did my little hip hop yeah. sort of, you know, um, thing with, oh, with my little slice of it, right? Mm-hmm. But they were ready. There was a curation that was already there. And I step back and I say, like, you're talking about all of these students and students of color in particular, and I just can't help but to think that, you know, you've really helped to give Africana Studies, WGSS, theater, you know, other units a sort of ready base, you know, um, wildly di- demographically diverse, you know, um, group of young kids that, you know, we can work with. And, and so I, I know I'm deeply appreciative of that. Perhaps before we have, you know, really formalized any kind of you know, inclusive effort for the classroom or diversity. Yeah. Before we, you know, um, had that moment here, there's act like you know. And I guess, you know, what do you see when you look over the years? And what are, what can we expect without, no teasers, right? But for act like you know for this, you know, 10th year anniversary and where are you headed? Whoa, what a heck of a question. Um, well, if I did, the easy answer is when, like I said earlier, you know, theater seasons are planned. I was smart enough maybe last year to say, hey, we're coming up on year 10. And my department has always been terribly supportive mm-hmm. of all of this work in all of its many iterations throughout the year um, to help me find my footing um, pedagogically with my scholarship. And so uh, I was like, well, it's the 10th year. Should we try and do a show in the season? And so that is what is going to manifest in April. April 13th through the 21st, we are doing the Act Like You Know 10-year anniversary show, which is different from what um, we usually do because normally it's a cl- the class culminates in one performance. But this is different in the sense that now we are going to take the best acts from the past 10 years. I've, I've um, worked with my assistant director. We have combed through that archive of past performances to select out um, the best uh, representation of mm-hmm. material and we are going to mount it in the season so it's going to be a fully produced play. Sweet! That is like so yeah. exciting because I mean you look at off-Broadway productions the support, the what we're going to be able to do for hip-hop theater um, just in terms of showcasing and elevating, we're talking budgets, we're talking scenic lighting wow. design, we're talking things that my class has never had before. And everybody is excited about it. I mean, it's such a wonderful, gratifying yeah. space to be in because, I don't know, maybe everybody just likes the 10-year celebration, but um, whether it's inside my department or, you know, in the College of Arts and Sciences, there's just such wide-ranging mm-hmm. support and just excitement um, you know, this is just inspiring me to make sure we do the best show possible. So, you know, 
when I got that green light, I realized that what I wanted to do was be authentic, right? So not only do I want to teach it in hip hop theater class, I want to do it in the creation of it. And so it was important for me that the students who are in this play had taken the class. So everybody that's in this play is from a past generation. I even have graduate students, students who are graduate students at Lehigh now are in the cast because they did it when they were still undergrads. They're here, but they are in the show and so we are mounting a full a full production and it's going to be seven shows and uh a lot of my students are learning what it's like to be in a play for the first time they knew what it was like to do a show for class but nothing like (laughs) this and to this degree yeah Um, they're in the studio yeah they're they're everywhere and it's it's wonderful you know lots of stories being written um Mm -hmm. you know in a lot of ways it's a heightened experience for a department of theater production and so i'm just trying to make sure that I can you know they always I always like that expression dance with the girl you came with which you know like if you brought it to the dance then you don't leave her on the side of the wall (laughs) and so it's the same thing with this it's like in my creating of the play I try to keep it like the the final shows have been in you know in casting it I wouldn't cast the play with five people when you know all the rest of it have been like a class size so that's what you have in the cast for this play and so I'm just really trying to honor what we've been doing all along but also right. celebrate the students to bring it back I was I wouldn't be here without those students who wow. have believed in and jumped off that cliff with me year after year and so even though many of them have graduated a lot of them are going to come back and are going to come through and you know be able to see themselves you know it's so great to be able to email people now and say by the way your spoken word is in the play oh wow. no mind blow you know so I it's mean and I think like just that. for you know the listeners too Cashy you know you're you know, the students that have come through act like, you know, the students who have taken other courses with you, who have found theater courses, whether they were a theater major or, mm-hmm. or not, you know, as helping them towards thinking um, about their own careers, about their yeah. own trajectory. So whatever skill they were able to, you know, take hold of and sort of get rooted in, in these spaces, they've yeah. been able to go on and, I mean, you know better than I've seen just, I know what is probably just a very small slice of what you've been able to make possible that that space i mean you have students in hollywood there's some wall street right i mean but the reality is is that they've gone on um to do a wide variety of things and i'm just i just think that's incredibly um impressive and for me especially seeing how many students of color have gone through act like you know over the years, you know, whether they were Africana majors and minors became Africana majors or minors or didn't or WGSS, but that they were able to, um, you know, perhaps find their footing through institutional life during what I can imagine, you know, over 10 years has been not always easy. Yeah, there have been times when the class has definitely been a destination, a designated safe space, depending on what Mm. was happening on campus or happening in the world. I mean, I just... Yeah, so, I mean, it goes out, and I'll get that call from, like, former students, like, can I just come through class today? Or sometimes it's not even happening in the world, just in their lives, but they know that there's family there, and there's always a space for them there. And um, that's important to me. That's important to me because I know, I remember when I was a student at Lehigh, I didn't have this, you know, so I created this partially out of just the desire to, you know, kind of give another... um, another destination wow. um, pedagogically or otherwise so I mean it's been a great gift it, and and I'm just glad everybody loves a party hip-hop is a party for the people at the end of the day let's, well, let's and there will be a party I think, oh there too, is right? gonna be a big old I know we party can't give out we shit. can't tell where away <laughs> but boy oh boy when I say that Lehigh University is showing up and hip-hop is about to show up in a major way at Lehigh um, right. not just with this play but with in so many ways I get chills so yeah I know. We have to stop talking about <laughs> we gotta that, stop though. Talking. That next I guess, podcast. You know, that's where do we go? Yeah, where do we go from here? Um, well, this has just been dope. Queen Cash. You know, what I feel one, like. What's your hip hop name? I thought it was Sharky. <laughs> no, that's another Shark, nickname. We is have, it Shark MC? We'll have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, you can't call yourself Shark. an MC unless you MC. Are you an MC? Oh, no. We're not <laughs> doing that's for the next podcast. Because we can drop no, no, a freestyle. No, 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 All right, we'll do that for the next one. We'll do that for the next one. No, but one one quick, really funny story. The my my first. So, um, what was my first experience? What was with, your with first experience? Queen Cash. Oh, um, me. 
So obviously you helped to get me here. You participated mm-hmm. in that search. So I'm ever grateful for that unmatched opportunity. Um, and now I get to be here in community with you yeah. and be hip hop, do hip hop, think, uh, think hip hop. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. But you know, one of my earliest memories of Queen Cash is like, I'm saying in my head, like, there's one faculty member at Lehigh, just one. Maybe there are others, but again, I came in 2013. Mm -hmm. In my mind, there's one professor who snaps their fingers. I don't care if it's snowing outside. (laughs) I mean, look, we've had to cancel, you know, Angela Davis and a Lupe Fiasco coming to Lehigh, right? Because it was snow outside. And there's one professor who snaps their fingers and can get, like, it's wild. Like, 250 students in a room. No, you're a student in a room. 80 50, snowstorm outside, packing out of space, you know, um, and it's you. It's relationships. It's you, and and I just think that, I want to honor that. I think that there's a lot of, you know, and I I think it would cheapen it to say that that's hip-hop, right? It's, no, it is hip-hop, but it's also, you know, the the, the jewels that you bring to your pedagogical crafts, you know, to your mentorship. If you're asking people to trust you and to lead them to some place that they didn't expect, you know, those relationships don't end when the semester ends. And Mm. sometimes the communications, that's why in the Department of Theater, we're a first name basis with our students. Students call me Cashy, not Professor Johnson. Because I mean, after seven o'clock and we're in rehearsal until like God knows when or doing whatever, we're on a first name basis. And Mm. I think that that's the kind of thing, relationship I continue with my students. Mm. You know, they know if you want to be in touch with me, if we're Facebook friends, you can message me and I will answer quicker than I would a voicemail. And sometimes they need me, sometimes I need them. So that currency is something that's continually traded on. And you know, um, I think as professors, we all have our own ways with our students. I just, my net goes a little deeper and I keep mining it even after they've graduated. It doesn't wow. it doesn't stop. I don't harass people, but I definitely don't stop, you know, associating just simply because of that. Right. Um, I so just love just how wonderful. there's a relationship there yeah. and you know and again, like there it comes full circle, three three hundred and sixty degrees, right? The cipher comes right back to hip hop in many ways because hip hop has its own memory, its own cultural memory and you know, it has a way of understanding where it is in the present, but always realizing Right. That past part of it, right? That right. the past is always present. There's always a shout out. There's always a remix. There's always a sample. Yes. Um, and it's been a real honor, Queen Cash. Yes, to chop it up again with Same you today, Dr. Miller. Um, this has been wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited for April and all that comes. You know, after April and all that is before us. The mandate, the challenge, oh, the all, possibilities. So all that's coming. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.